Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today to talk about one of the uh, most prevalent topics today, relationships. And if it is safe for you to do so, I would ask that you close your eyes and answer each of the following questions as honestly as possible. Number one, are you presently in a relationship and certain areas need to be improved? If you are not in a relationship, do healthy or committed relationships seem elusive? Can you imagine a relationship that fulfills and enhances your life while getting better from year to year? Are you open to experiencing deep trust with a partner arising out of mutual love, respect, and good character? Do you feel capable of forming a strong emotional bond where you work as a team? And finally, do you have the courage to do what's necessary to allow yourself the experience of joy, laughter, and an amazingly deep connection with another human being? If you answered yes to any or all of these questions, today's segment will help you get to the next level in your search for personal fulfillment. Many people define luck as when preparation meets opportunity. There's a unique aspect to this statement as it applies to relationships. I feel that relationships do not find us, we summon them. Relationships serve as mirrors for aspects of ourselves. But how do we get to the bottom of our relationship patterns? Kathy Barash is the founder and president of Powerful Life Solutions, LLC, a personal development coaching company that focuses on helping people achieve their goals and dreams. In addition to her magazine articles, workshops, and blog. Kathy provides new insights, thoughts, and ideas on how to experience success in relationships and life. In her book, The Right Relationship Starts With You, a 21-day personal development guide for creating your ultimate connection. The tools and strategies she outlines provide the best possible chance for you to attract healthier partners and positive life experiences through a process of self-assessment and ultimately self-awareness. She guides you through daily action steps into creating the relationship you have always dreamed about but never thought was possible. So please join me in welcoming to the show, Kathy Barish. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Well, hi, Charlotte. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here today. I don't know. As you can tell, I'm pretty excited. This is one of my favorite (laughs) topics. Uh, Mine too. Love it. Well, let's start at the beginning, Kathy. We all have a story. Tell us Mm -hmm. what inspired you to write this book. 
Well, you know, my marriage actually inspired me, and I'll tell you, and it made me look back at how I got to this great marriage I'm into today, and it was through a lot of pain and um, poor self-esteem and all those things that a lot of us struggle with, so I can so connect with everybody that has that, and I started to, I had been married before, and it was uh, not good at all, and I had had a lot of not goods, and I always thought it was somebody else's problem, like it was their fault, and I'm so sweet, what's wrong with all these people I'm meeting, and you know, mm-hmm. as time went on, it was evident, I started to notice a pattern, you know, the same kind of thing, and each relationship would occur, blaming, criticizing, you know, all those things, and when I turned it around and wrote down what I wanted and what I desired in a relationship, it seemed, and started to love myself, which was the missing link. I was looking, you know, that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. I Uh looked everywhere but inside, so I didn't really love myself. And once I did, then I attracted my current husband, and it's just been beyond my wildest dreams. So it really inspired me to write because I knew there had to be other people experiencing these same kind of unfulfilling relationships so that was kind of the what inspired me being where I am today so you took your own personal experiences basically broke them down examined them and called all the wisdom that you've gathered and yeah I mean I and I talked to people you know about those that were in good relationships like how is that how are you doing this what's happening and they shared with me and I thought that's the best thing to ask for help you know sometimes we just can't see what we're doing. We don't know that we're, you know, and we are part of the problem of of the relationships that we have, and that's hard to hear, but it's very empowering once we see, oh, gosh, I have the power to change some things in my life. I have the power to, and not not even that, to love yourself feels good. Who wouldn't want that? Forget the relationship. Have the good one with yourself first. That's so fulfilling. Yes, and I want to touch on that because I, in my seminars, classes, and with my, my clients, I always say that relationship, life is about relationships, but the yeah. most important relationship, aside from your relationship with the creator, however you perceive him to be, is your relationship right. with yourself. And if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself, how do you create one outside of yourself? It's impossible. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so, sometimes we need that outside perspective, whether we go to a friend a trusted uh, spiritual teacher or a qualified professional, depending on your case, to see what your energetic contribution to each situation is. Because a lot of people do feel like victims, and we honestly believe that we are. Yeah. But I got to the point in my um, self-exploration when I did this years ago, I got to the point where, nope, I contributed either by saying something, doing something, or by being silent. So I realized I was contributing, just not in the way that I thought, and then I had to set about, and it wasn't easy, but I had to set about with redefining things and communication skills, and I wish I had your book in my 20s, because it would have saved me a lot of time and heartache. (laughs) I wish I had known some things earlier on, too, absolutely. Yes. Well, I want to start with, let's start with our relationship with ourselves. How do we, in your words, create or even improve a good relationship with ourselves? 
Well, it does start with practicing good self-care, which sounds very, you know, we've heard um, eat well and all of that, but not hanging around with people who put us down. I I did that a lot. Um, Surrounding ourselves with positive people and experiences, going to positive events and making ourselves a priority, you know, looking at what does bring us joy, our creative interests, what hobbies do we have, Speaking well to ourselves is probably number one because, you know, all day long, whether any of us are aware of it or not, I certainly didn't pay attention to it at the time, we're saying either positive or negative things about ourselves. Usually it's I'm too fat, you know, the negative stuff, I'm too fat or I'm not worthy or I, we're not forgiving ourselves for something and you know, basically punishing ourselves. Whereas if we think loving thoughts, I am worthy of good things and treat ourselves that way mentally and physically with all the self-care that we, you know, that's available, it just, it makes such a difference. So we deserve to treat ourselves good. And a lot of us think that that's conceited or I was learned that that's, you know, you have to put everybody else first and that doesn't work out so well. But the way you describe it in the book with your beautiful writing style, which I found, I have to tell you, I found your writing style to be very direct, number one, concise, Mm -hmm. and yet there's a conversational tone that made me think that a friend was talking to me. Oh, I'm so glad. I really felt that, and you put this together in such a way that we can all look at ourselves, not in a scary way, but we can sit, and, and we can do this in 21 days. I imagine someone could take a few extra days in each step that you provide. Yes. But to to be able to accomplish this level of clarity in such a short amount of time is a right. gift, is, is, a, is a godsend. It really is. And I know it will help people pull out of ruts and patterns and identify. That's the most, thing, most important thing we need to do is right. identify. And not judge ourselves. Not, and be, you know, awareness without judgment. I mean, that's the thing, because how many of us are aware of something and then like, oh, they beat ourselves up. I can't believe I did that, or I can't believe I think that way. You know, shaming ourselves, basically. And that just kind of perpetuates the whole not loving yourself. So very important just to observe and be aware and see, hmm, you know, what's the common denominator? What am I doing in each of these cases? But not judging so harshly. That's that's a big one. I took me a while to get that one. <laughs> That's difficult. You have to really look at yourself. Um, you know how they say with the innocence of a child? I found yeah. that you really have to step outside of yourself and observe your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors with a sense of curiosity and wonder. Not right. critically. You don't, you, don't, you don't want to look at these things and react harshly. And reaction is largely the, our issue and how we react to the circumstances in our lives, not so much well, what happens. A good friend, yeah, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, go ahead. It's like if a good friend came to you and had said, geez, I'm doing this, that, and the other thing in a relationship, or what's happening, you wouldn't beat them up, hopefully. You would be compassionate and understanding and you know, love them through it, and that's the same way to look at yourself, which can be a very hard challenge. <laughs> to extend that same kind of care to yourself that you would to someone else, to a friend. You would, you should. And and you're right, we're harder on ourselves than anyone else could ever be. But I I love the way you set around 
set out with the table of contents, and I want to just touch on some topics, and then we'll go into a few. I certainly can't cover everything because your book is so thorough in this, but I want to uh, touch on the table of contents if that's okay. Sure, yeah. Okay. This is day one through day 21, and these are just a few of what she covers in this book. It's absolutely amazing. Day number one, claiming your personal power. Two, look at your beliefs. Three, listen to your self-talk. Goes further down the steps to having a grateful heart, making yourself a priority. Don't settle. Develop your own life, choosing wisely. Set boundaries, observing your attitude. Respond rather than react. Learning from your past, creating your future, and so on. Trusting the universe is huge, and we're, we're going to touch on quite a number of these. But let's start with claiming your personal power, Kathy. How do you feel that – what's the foundation that kind of makes us feel that relinquishing our personal power is the way to go in the first place and then later having to learn how to claim that back? Well, knowledge is power, and like we've been talking about, when you have awareness and you're looking at different things throughout your life and what what isn't working, I think that, uh, so the knowledge is power is definitely a big thing. And ownership uh, of what you're, you know, of, of ourselves instead of sort of blaming and looking at other people, and we don't, because we don't have ways, a lot of us spend, I know I did, a lot of energy on trying to change other people, you know, uh, how to... Uh, whom we associate with, we, and whom they associate with, or the behavior of others, and kind of always looking outward is basically what I'm saying. So when you claim your personal power, it's looking at your own life, your own self-care, who you surround yourself with, your attitudes, your choices. We have a lot of choices and freedom that sometimes we forget that we have. So it's really putting the focus there and not uh, looking outside of ourselves and trying to correct everybody else. So that's right. the first step right there. So if I may reiterate in as, as short a statement as I can make, basically taking responsibility for your own happiness. Yes. Under all those, and all those things fall under that umbrella where we have to take responsibility for our choices and our emotions as well, as I, I tell my listeners all the time. Emotions that you experience are a choice, and you have the power to change this. You have free will. There are no victims in this classroom, we draw those relationships to us that match our energetic vibration. Right. But I think if, if people sat down and whether you took 21 days or 63, do it for a few months, get, get used to this kind of work, you will see a change in your attitude, your perspectives, and how you see your past. Right. And then when you learn to take responsibility, then those, those things like um, putting yourself first, don't feel selfish or, or egocentric, that right. you really recognize the value of those statements. Um, I, want well, to I would talk say the most loving people are those that do take care of themselves and do, you know, put themselves first. And so it's so ironic that they would be the loving ones. They're the more giving ones. It seems the opposite would be the case. So when we think that, you know, taking care of everybody else and putting them first and looking at them, it would seem like we're being these giving, loving people, but then you're empty and you don't, you, there's nothing to give. So it really is uh, the less selfish way is to take care of yourself first. It sounds bizarre, but it's true. 
No, let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up because what we're basically talking about, if any of my Course in Miracles students and listeners are tuning in to this, um, what you're talking about is self-sacrifice. And yeah. that is a very deep topic, but to try to nutshell it, which I have to continually work on, that's one of my weaknesses, <laughs> is that when, when you put yourself last, you're basically declaring to God, I'm not worthy. Right. And that is that is at the crux of putting yourself first. You're saying, I am worthy. And when you say, I am worthy, then you draw to yourself the right partner, the right job, the right income. Everything goes right when you value yourself. But when you take what comes to you from God or the universe and give that away and say, well, they need it more than I do, these are declarations we make in our minds. You don't right. know that for, for true, but this is what you conclude based on the data you've gathered about their situation or your emotions about it, and it's based on sympathy in most, most cases. And sympathy is a mixture of empathy and self-pity. But it comes into a negative expression when it becomes self-sacrificial and you're putting everyone else first and feel like you're doing that loving thing. But when you do pull up and you realize that you feel empty – used or drained and depleted, basically that is when you begin to say something's got to give, something needs to change, and then maybe you're willing to take the step down this road at self-assessment. A lot of, I want to reiterate what I've said on other segments, is that a large clue that will loom in your face is when something, somebody that you help consistently when they do something that upsets you, generally the first thing you say is, I can't believe you did or said that after everything I've done for you. Right. That's a major clue that tells you you need to work on yourself. So I recommend that anybody who is in a situation like that get this book. It will help you turn around in a very distinct way and, and learn to recognize those thoughts and beliefs that are holding you back. Yeah, and Kathy, feelings are a very good indicator, too. Like, if you're not feeling good, then something's not right. That's a really, our our feelings are such a gift, and, and that I really want to stress that. A lot of times we're told to stuff them or don't listen or you're being silly. or But if you're not feeling good inside, there's something not right, and it's good to look at that. You know, look at what's good about you. If, you, if you're, like you had just said about self-sacrifice, that doesn't feel good, and that's a great, I mean, that tells you right there, it's because you're coming from a place of lack or feeling that you're missing something and someone out there is going to fill in what you're missing. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing these things that we're talking about today, taking care of yourself, um, you feel good, and that attracts good things to you, but the self-sacrifice and lack of feeling and not feeling good attracts not good things, too. So it's very important. Feelings are a gift. They really let us know what's going on, either internally or externally. They're, yes, they're an excellent barometer. Let's talk about the ways you um, discuss about getting in touch with the self. For instance, meditating. Yes. Meditating is huge. I mean, I mm-hmm. I have made it where it's a daily thing. I used to do it where just when I had a few moments and things like that. But the more I've done it daily, and we have a meditation room in our house, but you don't need to have something formal like that. You can just find a room or somewhere to be quiet with yourself alone. And just really I often read something positive to set the tone to help me think about what the reading is, something that really is uplifting. And 
I'll just being quiet helps you get in touch because who can hear any? You're, we all have an inner voice and a gut feeling and intuition and all those things going on. But when we're busy, busy, busy and don't take any time to just sit quietly, you can't hear anything. You can't hear the good guidance that your own inner voice is telling you. I mean, I know that was true for me. I just didn't hear it. So it, it's getting quiet, really. Just and it doesn't have to be for an hour a day or anything like that, just really making a commitment to that will do, if nothing else, that would be huge right there because it's a way to connect with yourself. It's a way to spend time away from other people even. So I, I highly, that's been really life-changing for me. So, For me as well because mm-hmm. it's a good way to get to know yourself too because it gives you a chance to really observe your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and spend, I mean, a lot of times it's a good indicator. Like, we, if we can't enjoy our own company, that's a sign, too. <laughs> yeah, like, you want to be able to enjoy your own company. That's a, a beautiful thing. Absolutely. How's anybody else supposed to enjoy your company? And I found in a lot of my, I'll say, I won't say past relationships, I just consider them mistakes. So I, just, <laughs> I didn't communicate effectively. I covered things up with a lot of laughter. And there's different techniques we use to distinguish or ignore that inner voice. And it's a shame because if I had listened to the clues and the warning signs and just had the confidence to say, after the first date, I want everybody to think back on a first date where they got a warning sign that said, this is not a good match for you, and you ignored it. And however long that relationship continued, whether whether it ended in marriage or not, I had to really look back and acknowledge I had warning signs that first day and I, and right. I should have moved on and I didn't. So it shouldn't be any surprise that things turned out in a disharmonious if it was, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, if it was disharmonious or if it was a destructive relationship that you had to escape from. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, in my counseling sessions, I, I asked them, what were the clues? Oh, there were none. Yeah? Nope. Um. I'm betting there there were, and then once they allow those answers to rise up, such as, oh, yeah, well, well, when we wanted to get married, the minister we had sat us down and told us he refused to marry us because he didn't believe this was a good match. Mm. And the yeah. answer is, so what would you do? I went and found another minister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did the marriage Ignoring, did the, ignoring marriage the information end? coming in. Absolutely. How did your marriage end? Oh, it was terrible. You know, three-year divorce battle, just false accusations, all that could have been avoided if they or we had just, your first marriage, if we had just looked at those clues and listened to our instincts. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. And, you know, the way I look at it now today is I'm grateful for those experiences because they did show me what was within me. It healed a lot of what was in me. So, and not to blame anybody it was just to see that i can see why those relationships were put in my life they really taught me a lot and Mm -hmm. i'm i'm grateful for them today it's i never thought i would say that but they really it helped me to see how much i didn't love myself or how much i was uh, settling or all kinds of things that we're talking about today really so without those experiences 
I don't know if I would still not be thinking the same way I used to. So I guess that's it's a good way to look at it. So to not be again not beat ourselves up or God why did I let that happen or how come I didn't listen. Just to really say okay, all right, well thank you for that experience. I, I learned a lot and that's why we are where we are today or that's why we can get to a better place from those experiences. Mm-hmm. You could say I can do it better this time. And yeah. just hearing you say those words demonstrates your growth, where if you can look back and say, you know what, I'm grateful for that experience because, like I said in the beginning, relationships are mirrors of ourselves. And we learn a lot about ourselves in the experience, but when we resist, it just becomes right. more troublesome and problematic. Um, right. But you said the magic word, and I had to figure out why I myself was settling for scenarios that weren't anything near the picture that I thought I was reaching for, and you go into it in the book in um, chapter, I'll say chapter, but it's actually day eight, about settling. And you speak so clearly about kind of what we go through, and you made a bullet list that I would like to read aloud if that's okay with you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. If you can't treat yourself well, you will look outside yourself for someone or something else to do it for you. Needing someone to fix you is very different from looking for someone to share your life with. No one can fix you anyway, as only you can do your internal work and gain new perspectives and overcome limiting beliefs. It's not surprising that many of us choose to settle because we may have been taught that it's better to just play it safe, be grateful to have anyone at all, think it's selfish to change our lives in a way that rocks the boat, try not to upset the status quo, Obsess, struggle, and hang tough instead of going for it and trusting. A lot of us get into these situations because we simply don't trust ourselves. What what would you like to add to amplify those statements? Well, I just think that I I know I was taught all those things. That it's again back to that having you know feeling like you've got to take care of other people or focusing on other people all the time and to put yourself that that lack feeling. And I never really understood the whole thing with our energy. I didn't realize that who you surround yourself with, for example, it, it's you attract energy. So it's a negative energy to be around um, complaining. I, I, I say in the book, I'm, I'm stumbling a little here because it's just so amazing to me. I, I had a sister who used to call me all the time and you know, be very angry on the phone, and I just thought I had to put up with it because it was a family member, like that I wasn't allowed to say anything. I had a belief like that, that it's a family person. And I had my part in that too. But just to say that I just thought that because it's family or I thought, well, I'm just lucky to have any person talk to me, you know, those kind of low self-esteem ideas, I didn't even know that that just kept attracting more of it. So I list in the book or say in the book to just list those relationships and things in your life that where you feel low about, that make you feel bad about yourself. And those will help you see what would lead you towards what would be give you good energy. And, of course, that's being around positive people and knowing that you don't have to go out with whoever asked. I always felt like I didn't want to hurt people's feelings if they asked me out, that type of thing. It was very much about people-pleasing. So that is what prompted all of those bullet things. I just thought, 
gosh, it, I I just thought that was the way you were supposed to do it. Yeah, I thought I was being nice. I did. We're a lot alike, actually, and I thought I was doing the right things. Not so much with um, if someone asked me out, I felt obligated to say yes. I I was very um, stern with that. I was I was good with that. My issue came with choosing friends. Yeah. Where I kind of felt like if you're nice to me, then you must be my friend, and I and I based the friendship on their personality instead of their character. Right. And yeah. and you do you 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 supplied another bullet list in on page 29 where you're talking about that relationship where the person was calling you and was very negative, and right. you list the types of people who may be weighing you down, and that is a good way for us to look at not only our past but our present as well. And right, sure, like friends that only call when they need something or accepting one-way relationships where you're doing all the inviting and all of that or putting you. up with outbursts. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. and and then you tell the story that you just touched on. But what I wanted to add about the the way you put the book together, it's in the 21 chapters for 21 days, and in each section you start with a quote whether it's an ancient Chinese proverb or you're quoting Einstein or Ralph Waldo Emerson, that's a nice touch. You go into the subject, but then you quickly move on and you often share a personal story that is pertinent to the story, but then you end with an action step. Tell us what the action steps are designed to do. Well, they're designed to put into play what what the topic was of that day. So, for example, to continue with the don't settle, my action step for that day would be write down five ways in which you're settling or putting up with behavior you're not comfortable with or the reasons you think you're doing so. And then next to each item, write down how you would counteract this behavior, like what would you do that's in your highest good? What alternate behavior could you do? So it's a way to implement the example gives away when I give my own example but also it just puts it so it's not just in our head like oh that would be nice or I get that but it's a way to put it into practice because the action is the way we really change it's doing something about the situation taking some kind of and it could just be making a phone call but some kind of action that gets you in movement towards doing it differently so each day we'll have something like that um, so that you can, it's empowering to take some kind of action. Otherwise, you're still sort of just thinking about it. So, yeah. yeah. So that's. Well, I love the way it's set up. And then in other sections, you also have charts for people to complete, which I'm a chart person. I love making charts and lists. I'm a list maker as well. But um, I'll tell you what, let's take a short commercial break, and when we come back, We'll segue from settling into setting boundaries. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. Don't go away. We'll be right back right after these messages. The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One in 800,000. The odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 88. 
I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Explore new areas of interest, expand your knowledge, and gain clarity about your life's purpose at the Ocala Center. Affectionately known as OIC, the Ocala Center, just two blocks south of Town Square, offers workshops, classes, healing meditations, and special events for the Ocala, Gainesville, and Central Florida spiritual community. Check out our calendar of events at OcalaInnerCenter.com. And if you're looking for a place for your next workshop or seminar, go to OcalaInnerCenter.com and give Jean a call. Hello, everyone, and we're here with Kathy Barish, the author of The Right Relationship Starts With You, a 21-day personal development guide for creating your ultimate connection. And, Kathy, before we get into the topic of boundaries, we do have a caller on the line who may have a question. Are you okay if okay. I check with them just to be sure? Sure. Are you open to yeah. Okay. Hang on one sec. Hi, you're on the air. Did you have a question for Kathy Barish? I did, actually. And I wanted to say, too, that listening to you guys touched upon a lot of what my question is going to be about. But also, before the show started, I actually bought Kathy's book, the Kindle version, and was looking through it. And it's really, it looks really awesome, and I can't wait to delve into it. So thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, thank you. So here's my question, um, if you can give some quick advice. It's kind of like in-depth, but just any thoughts that come to mind would be awesome. Um, I, well, actually, before that, I wanted to say to listening to you guys, um, talk, about, like, talk about the way that you're approaching, um, approaching relationships. I've been studying a lot about like, law of attraction and manifesting, and what I'm hearing you say is that it's all about doing things to make yourself feel good, because when you stay in that place of feeling good for as long as you possibly can, you attract amazing things. And so thank you for reinforcing that as well. Wow. Um, oh, I'm absolutely. so glad you called in. That's very helpful. Thank you. So here's, here's where I falter when it comes to relationships. Um, I feel like I have a million flaws, and some of them are pretty common, like some excess weight and that kind of thing. But for me, I get myself into a loop um, because – when I was born, I was, um, I was born with something called uh, congenital nystagmus, and, and it's kind of an uncommon thing, but my eyes move back and forth in a slight motion all the time, and because of it, I'm also legally blind, and I'm not able to drive. And so it's been something that has really kind of bruised my, my self-esteem, and I always feel like when I get into, um, or the possibility of getting into a relationship, what comes up for me is that I feel like I'd be a burden on someone or have, like, this unusual, like, flaw and that it would reflect badly on the person that I'm with. And so then it gets me into this loop because even if I attract someone who is amazing, inevitably I think that it's just not going to work out. And so then I get confused because, of course, I want to be with someone and in a relationship, but I'm just, just deep, deep down believe that it's not going to ever work out. Do you have any thoughts on overcoming all of that? Oh, definitely. I mean, one thing, uh, and I identify with those sort of thoughts all the time, whatever that issue might be, but in this case, I would say nonstop to say beautiful affirmations to yourself, even if you don't believe them at first, meaning just the self-talk that we were, I think we mentioned earlier, but 
Like, I am a beautiful person. I am of value. Anyone would be glad to have me in their life. And it sounds silly and all of those things, but just saying those things over and over, that's what I did. Even when I wrote them in a journal, I just kept writing it. I love myself because we do bring a lot to the table. We do uh, enhance people's lives. I'm so glad that... um, People I have known in my life who had different uh, disabilities or whatever they had, they were so loving because they loved themselves and they they brought so much to my life. And all of us bring a lot to each other's lives. And it, it, thinking that we are lacking again, it does, is what it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? If we say, well. I've got this thing, it's not attractive. Like, I don't have, none of us are perfect in any way, but we are of value. And there there again, this, I am a beautiful person. I value myself. You know, everything goes well in relationships. This person needs me. You know, that type of thing will go a long way. And it just takes time. It's not an overnight thing. But I have found that that has been huge because our mind is really at the hub of everything. And anything that you feed it, it's going to come out, and we can focus on what's good about ourselves. I think that would be maybe a place to start, too. What do you like about yourself? What I started to focus on, not those things that were causing me distress, but focusing on the things about either physically or otherwise that I did like. There had to be one thing that I liked about myself, and whether it was a sense of humor or whether it was my hair or whatever little thing I could find, and just kept feeding and looking at that, and that was more and more what I started to see and feel. So hopefully that will help at least start the process. Absolutely. And thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad. Can I add something to that? Sure. sure. And I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't ask for your name. What is your name? Wendy. Wendy, okay. I, I would like to add that we all have a body thing. I have several, <laughs> um, and I, I have psoriasis, I have eczema, I'm allergic to metal, and I also have a left arm that's crooked, because when I was a child, and this will lead you into another aspect of my psychology, when I was a child, I was not supervised properly, and I jumped off a bunk bed, and I remember the whole way down to the floor where I broke the arm. When I did receive medical attention, however, I was... I. I was only two and a half, so I didn't take care of the care, take care of the cast properly. Mm-hmm. I did the best I could at two and a half, but it cracked, and it resulted in a very crooked elbow. And this is something that I told myself: nobody's going to want me for these things, this and that. And I use them as a way to keep people at a distance. Right. And the body things, whether it's a rash or a vestigial tail, it doesn't matter. The eye thing. Those are ways that the ego will grab a hold of it and to keep you hostage and miserable will say and declare that because of these things, nobody will want you. But if there's one thing I learned in my years of dating is that looks didn't mean a thing because I had friends who were a lot heavier than I was. I'm five foot one, And just to illustrate, my measurements were 36, 24, 34. This didn't mean a thing. Because I didn't feel good about myself, and my friends who were much bigger, much taller and much bigger, had no problems. They could send a signal across the room, and two or three guys would surround them. And I was like, how are they doing that? You know how they did it? They appreciated themselves. They were grateful for things about them. There's that gratitude and that self-love. That's what did it. Not the outside. 
Kathy, hey. you want to jump in there? Well, I was thinking, too, about the beliefs, because you were saying that you believe that once you're in, you know, that they're going to think a certain way or feel. And, and one thing I mentioned in the book, and I did this, too, was I wrote down everything that I believed about myself, that I, what I thought would happen once I was in a relationship, all the sort of got it all out, all the negative aspects I thought I had. And then next to it, I wrote down what I would like to believe, what I would like to feel and think and that was powerful too because it kept flipping the negative to the positive so again it's really um and you like you said gratitude for i mean we all have things for sure and it's true i think the i have known people just their energy and i mentioned that before that positive energy and the love that they have for themselves because we deserve to feel good about ourselves regardless of what appearance and all of that i'm not saying that you know it doesn't matter to ourselves and that we can't whatever if you want to cut your hair or something like that but i just mean basically inside as a person at the root of who we are is valuable and the more we but those the the more we know that the better and the more we will attract people that love you for who you are not for these other outer things and so that belief list really helped me too so i know i mentioned a lot of writing in there but it's so helpful it, it just bears repeating. Absolutely. Thank you so it's much, guys. You're welcome. Thank you for calling in, Wendy. I really appreciate it, Thank and you, your, your question you. was very valuable. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Welcome. I'll put you on hold so you can continue to listen. Awesome. That was a fantastic question, and, it's, and it takes me back to so many times that I, if I bought new eyeshadow, this might make a difference, or this perfume. It wasn't any of those things, and... I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing by appreciating myself, and obviously something was off because I had those moments of attracting the wrong people or no one at all, and I couldn't figure out what was doing wrong. I'm smart, I'm funny, I'm kind, and I'm trustworthy. What's the problem? But you go into all these things in the book and also with helping people setting boundaries, and I wanted to go into that, but actually, Kathy, we have another call. Are you ready for another call? Okay. All right, this is area code 347, bringing you live on the air. Hi, what's your name? Hi, my name is Rose. Hi, Rose. Did you have a question for Kathy? Oh, yes. Thank you so much. Um, My question is that I meet a lot of men, but the problem is I'm having a hard time navigating through them because, you know, you talk to people, look at me, and then I guess they form opinions and um and getting to know me, you know, I can't negate the fact that I have several degrees that, you know, I I'm I might look beautiful on the outside but I'm not I I think they perceive me as someone that is attractive and because of that I'm not supposed to have a brain. Like I don't think. Like I wanna have intelligent conversations. And so I don't know, after, you know, it seems like I'm able to meet a lot of different men that seem appealing on the surface, but as you get to talk with them, you know, I find out that that's not the case. But I know there's something wrong, but I'm not really getting what's wrong. So I don't know if you ever, well, I'm sure you probably talked with a lot of women with the same problem. What is a good way of getting out of that problem? So you're saying that you have no problem attracting people, but it's once you're talking to them, you either feel like they don't think that you're smart or they you're talking to them and something seems off in them that you can't put your finger on? Is that sort of? 
No, she's saying Wait. she has degrees, and when they find out she's got a brain, it goes off kilter. She's got the look. She brings them over, but once they find out they're not going to have the upper hand in the mental department. Am I getting this correct, Rose? You, that's exactly what the question is. Um, like, if you, I'm, I'm the kind of person, you know, I'm pretty much upfront. I'm an upfront mm-hmm. person, and I say exactly what I'm thinking and I'm feeling. Sometimes that's, that's not good, but I'm pretty much, like, if you tell me X, Y, and Z, I think, then I'll question, like, I make inquiry. I just don't sit back and allow people to tell me any kind of thing. I ask a lot of questions because I like to know where I'm at with a person, where the person's going. I like to let you know where I'm going. And so I'm, I want to talk. I want to communicate. And But I, not only that, but from a place of honesty. And so I'm very upfront, like, and so I'll attract the guys, and they say, yeah, I'm on this road. You know, I'm developing myself. You know, I'm into my spirituality. But after you get to talk with them, you find out that that's not the case. That, you know, in several cases, you know, the men were put off by me. They're put off by me because I think. Like, I think and I ask questions, and they find that intimidating. Well, it sounds like the men that you are meeting are feeling that way, but that's uh, that is where they're where you're noticing that their actions aren't matching their words. So that's really huge to even notice that that you aren't feeling that they like that you're smart or that they want to have a uh, mutual partnership. It's uh, I would pay like I have a chapter in there about this in the book where where you really become aware of that. And I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time in company of people that I didn't feel good with. And that's the thing that I started to notice, too, like if I was out. And then it helped me to see, like, okay, well, do I still have any beliefs that just to to still look at that. But mostly if I didn't feel good with somebody I was talking with or I felt like they, whatever it was, then maybe that isn't the person to spend my time with instead of because I would try to figure out why they're acting that way and why they aren't listening to me and why all of that. And after I think it just becomes easier to just spot it and say, okay, well, their words aren't matching their actions and pay more attention to the actions instead of what they're saying and not spend as much energy and time with people that I'm not feeling good with is probably my best answer to that because I really wanted to know why in that case, you know, we're still looking at ourselves, but basically I don't think we have to always understand why somebody, some people we just don't connect with and that, it's just good to be aware of that because I would spend time, then I'd want to date them further and find out and get in their head and all of that. And that just doesn't, wasn't really working for me. So it's good that you're paying attention to that and then maybe move on to someone else, <laughs> other people that you feel better with. Does that help that- at all? Um, that helps, but I wonder if it's something, am I attracting something within me that's attracting these kind of people? Can I answer that from an energetic psychic perspective, Rose? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, let me get my thoughts together here. Okay, you know how they say, like, um, everything that happens is an opportunity? 
I want mm-hmm. I want to break it down this way. Okay, so with, look, go back to the first time it happened, where a guy, perhaps someone in a classroom or someone that you might have had an interest in, made you feel bad for for being intelligent and letting it show and letting those straight A's come to you, that kind of thing. And then see yourself as you got older and older, and you became empowered. You got, you went to school, you got your degrees, you worked very hard, and you know, there's a lot to be proud of. But there's that first instance that creates a trigger or a button that someone made you feel ashamed of being intelligent, an intelligent, empowered, amazing woman, right? Mm-hmm. So say you're going into a, a nightclub or a party, and you say to yourself, I'm going to meet the greatest guy, and it's going to be awesome, and they're going to be smart and ambitious, and it's going to be wonderful and happily ever after. However, here is this belief that you planted into the very fertile subconscious mind, which creates your outer reality, which is, I hope they don't make me feel bad for being smart. So what's going to happen, according to laws of the universe, manifestation, and the law of attraction, is that negative belief summons someone that's going to stand in front of you to, quote, give you another opportunity to let go of feeling bad for being smart. So anytime you go out, I would I would do the self-talk, looking in the mirror. It's no, mm-hmm. You have no reason to be ashamed of being intelligent, ambitious, and outspoken and direct, because I would totally get along with you, you know, you have a great personality. But it's not that men in general don't like smart women. They do. It's just that this negative belief in the back of your mind that you're not consciously aware of is creating a magnet on your forehead that draws them right to you. But I would say turn it into a fun exercise. Dress up. Do your, you know, do your thing. Go to a gathering. Whether, I don't know what your scene is, whether it's clubs or parties. And then see who walks up to you. And if anybody starts to trip that trigger about feeling like, oh, do I divulge that I have degrees or that I am even going to go for my Ph.D.? As soon as you feel that fear, you got to forgive yourself. That man will get away from you as fast as possible, and they will eventually disappear, and the right one will step right up to you. The other thing I would suggest that I did for myself was I wrote out uh, my dream relationship, how we would be interacting, how they would interact with me, what they would say, what I would say to them, details about characteristics I wanted in somebody, not just in their physical looks, but like what kind of actions that they that I would like them to have, a very detailed account of a dream relationship. And that seemed to give me a lot of clarity and seemed to lead me toward and make me feel good and lead me toward those positive people that I had written out. And that's how I met my husband, I swear. I I did that exercise, and it was really huge. It was fun, and it was also huge, because it let me know what I was looking for. Like, what did I want them to treat me like? What did I hope to get? What was the character? All of that. It was just very, and it seemed to lead me toward that type of person and away from the other type that wasn't working for me. So that was a very powerful exercise. Yes, and, and you also had in the book, have a sense of humor. We can't take it so seriously yeah. that it holds us back. You have to have fun with it because when your heart is open, you'll have more success with it. Does that make sense, Rose? Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. Write out be, that dream guy. <laughs> yes, yeah. and be very specific because my yeah. list 
cover two pages, and my husband beats my list. I swear to God. Yeah, Mike, that was my experience, too. So there you go, two people with a perfect rock-solid example. And we both learned it the hard way, so we can save you a lot of time, okay? That's right. <laughs> Listen to that so laugh. Funny. It's great. Is, is that how, what are your thoughts, Rose? Well, tell us what you're thinking and feeling about what we both said to you. Well, I feel like I had an aha moment. Like, I just said, you know, ah, finally. You know, I feel like you ladies are my sisters. Like, yeah. You know, I feel a, a, a connection. Like, I feel a breakthrough. I feel like, you know, I came in out of the dark. And I'm in the light. And I want to stay in the light. I want to stay in the light. And, um... I think that for it, for for everyone, for every woman, there's a man, and for every man, there's a woman. I don't believe that anyone should have to be alone. That's what I really believe. And that unless they want to. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I think we attract the right person. I feel that way. The perfect person for me is here, and that was all from the things we're talking about today. So absolutely, I, I believe that. I believe that there's a person for us, that there's a... I, I, Definitely do. But sometimes we have to have these practice runs so that we can learn what works best for us and what does not, you know? Exactly, yep. But I want to add add one more thing. Mm -hmm. This serves a purpose. Everything serves a purpose and every alliance serves a purpose. So every person you meet, there's a purpose. Either they're going to teach you something or you're going to teach them something. And I think this is integral. I don't know what you study. I'll ask you afterwards what your degrees are in. But you have to teach. And part of what you need to teach is women empowerment. Because I'm getting a really hard flashback of a date I went on when I was 14 years old. I went out with um, someone, I guess around my age, 16. And he said to me, and this is what shut me down. He said, wow, the next time I take you out, remind me to bring a dictionary. And it hurt. And I set about the process to dumb myself down, and it was the biggest disservice I have ever done to myself in this lifetime. So I think you can take this and teach other people, not just women, but also men, that somehow you have to empower others and use yourself as the example. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm floored because you know, I had a family situation the other day, and it was a terrible one. And so I was correcting a family member about their behavior. And so I thought that we were going to have a brief discussion, and the discussion turned into a three-hour discussion. After the discussion, my family members turned to me and say, said, you should be a teacher mm. because we... We learned a lot. We learned a lot from you. And I just thought about it because that's come up a couple times with me. Um, my degrees are in psychology. But there we way, go. Uh-huh. Awesome. <laughs> wow. So you can walk with your head high. <laughs> you ladies are fabulous. Are you tall too? Are you like statuesque and very like just? Are you statuesque, model like? I'm five feet eleven. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. 
Lucky you. I'm five foot one, so walking down the street next to you, I would look like your child, okay? But look at the commanding presence you've been given. Look at look at this aura about you. You have this beautiful brain, a beautiful um, light about you, and then people will sit up and pay attention. And I think you need to go in that direction. But I think you need to recast this book first and figure out how to flip those guys away like flies, you know? That's right. <laughs> Can I, get, can I get you on Amazon? Yes. Yes, the book is on Amazon, yep. absolutely. I'm going to give all the information. And you know what, um, Kathy, you had mentioned people are using this in their wherever they're located. They're using it in group settings to teach mm-hmm. others, correct? Yes. Well, at uh, the Mindfulness Center, is that what you're referring to? Well, yeah, using the book in a group setting where people support each other and learn about themselves in relationships. Let's talk about that and tell Rose about it and everybody. Yeah, well, in Scottsdale, Arizona at this time, there's a Mindfulness Life Center, and it's a place really, it's an uplifting, nurturing environment that has classes and yoga and meditation and all kinds of positive uh, ways to access what we're talking about today, loving ourselves and motivating us to live mindfully. And we have, in the book studies, we read not just mine but other books and talk about it. And it's all such positive where you feel good about yourself when you leave. And that's the kind of environments that I seek out. So that's what I do there, too, is just part of that wonderful. There's so many wonderful teachers there that just have their own uh, way of helping everybody feel better and take care of themselves, like we've been talking about, like making that the focus. And from mm-hmm. there, all good things come. When you feel good about you, like we've been saying, and take care, you know, being more mindful of the way we treat ourselves, all rip, all good comes from that. So that's a, a wonderful place here, too. I also want to add um, to Rose, I, if you're hanging out with people who only have high school diplomas, you, it's, it's going to be weird. If you hang out with people who all have degrees, whether it's electrical engineers, lawyers, um, people who you can resonate with, certainly your luck would be a lot better. With like-minded people. Yes. I appreciate that. Yeah, I actually I got out of work late once when I was in my early early to mid twenties, about twenty three, and so I was still in my suit. I was an insurance executive, and my girlfriends were in their cute little mini skirts with their, you know, glittery tops or whatever, and they were laughing mm-hmm. at me. They were like, you're never going to meet anybody dressed like that. I said, really? What is this? And I, and I didn't do anything. I didn't make any attempt at icon, whatever, and I walked out with a phone number and dated that man for two years, and he was a professional, and he, did, he went for me because I looked like a professional. Make sense? Yeah. So mm-hmm. your appearance, the what you exude, some of us will exude um, sexuality. We ooze that sensuality. Some of us exude business. Some of us exude, mm-hmm. you know, you exude what you want, and that summons, that puts that scent out there into the air. That's your perfume, you know? Mm-hmm. Loving yourself is a great perfume. <laughs> yes. It's Definitely. Perfume. Well, we have to write a new chapter, Kathy, about perfume. There you go. Title of the next rose. book. Rose, I'm so glad you called in, and good luck to you. I hope you um, – and listen to what we say next because we're going to talk about trusting the universe, okay? Okay. All right. All right, sweetie. I'm going to put Wonderful you on hold so you can listen. to you. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Um, we have to get into trusting the universe because when we sit down 
and do the self-assessment tools that you outline in the book, and we take the actions and we look at ourselves and do all this dissecting and all this rebuilding, then we have to be open to synchronistic events that allow our desires and our, and our goals to unfold. So tell us about your section in the book, and I think you have a funny story for us about that too. Oh, the hair story. Yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> so great. Yeah, well, yeah, this woman, um, she was a friend of uh, a friend of a friend, so to speak, a client of, of a girlfriend of mine. And anyway, she had been, you know, really working on herself, wrote out a detailed description of the man she wanted, the types of relationship she wanted, and then she just kind of let it go to the universe. You know, just kind of went about her life. And um, she got into wanting to uh, go to New York. She lived in New Jersey. She wanted to go to New York and have her hair done, you know, have a nice, like, by some top hairstylist, and she talked about it for months and saved up her money, and, you know, she was just so juiced to get this hair cut or whatever, and so the day finally comes, and she just can't wait. She's busting at the seams, and she gets there, and they cut her hair, and they just ruin it. It's just terrible. She's just oh. awful, and she's like, oh, my God, you know, all of a sudden, just smashed, right? So she leaves, but she was still, you know, paid him and gave him a good tip, just kind of the whole thing was uncomfortable. So she walks out of the salon just devastated, thought this is just horrible, and she drops her purse all over the ground to make matters just on top of her terrible day, right? Mm -hmm. And some guy comes and helps her pick up her stuff and collect all of her things, and they end up getting married down the road. So I feel the moral of that story is, you, you know, when you're doing this work, you're – your prayers get answered, you're attracted, you know, what you're writing down does happen, but just in a way that you can't even imagine. Like she thought, and, but tr she thought that the point of going to New York originally was to get her hair cut, but, but it was really to meet this man she was supposed to meet, and she wouldn't have done it any other way because there wasn't any reason for her to go to New York that particular day at that particular time. So I look at that as the universe stepping in and providing what she was requesting. So that's how we co-create our world. We do our part. She was clear what she wanted, but it was just such a synchronistic event. And I think this happens a lot. I know it does with me. I'll be visualizing. I talk about visualizing in the book, you know, putting right. a, a vision board. We've all heard of those where you put things on there, or maybe that's what I just love. But you put just different pictures or what you want to attract, and and then it just shows up in a way that I wouldn't even, like the Mindfulness Center, for example. I was visualizing running groups and workshops and having an environment of that type. And, but I didn't know. I thought it was going to be a, in California. There was a place that I was considering going to. And anyway, it just showed up. Somebody mentioned it, and they wanted to start it. And it was just one of those uh, synchronistic kind of things to just be open to see how it's going to show up in our world like we don't have to work so hard we just have to know what we want what we're interested in what we'd like to attract and then it seems to show up in one form or another so I thought her hair story I refer to that often because how many times do we go somewhere thinking it's about you, you know you start a new job and the job doesn't work and you think it's a bad thing quote unquote but it's right. really you needed to meet a certain person at that job and it helped you down the line it's just these little places and ways that we're led to what we want to attract. And it's just, I find it just so interesting. But I've had a lot of the, but being aware that that's what it is, like you know, years later she was like, oh, my gosh, that's what that was about. 
So it seemed like a bad experience for her at the time, <laughs> but but it proved to be a very wonderful one. So I, but, I just love that stuff. But it demonstrates the reality of it. Those synchronistic events are reality. Us forcing yeah. the issue, um, like I said, a cashier a few months ago said to me, you know, as she, would ch- as she was checking me out, she was like, hey, Charlotte, what, what is it with if something's meant to be, do you, do you go after it? Like, and I said, listen, if it's meant to be, even you can't mess it up. But if it's not yeah. meant to be and you force the issue, you're going to make a mess of things. And yeah. in, I can't believe you mentioned hair. Well, yeah, I can, but I, I just remembered a story that one of my students in my class has told where she was supposed to return a video and got a feeling, nope, I better wait. And then she got a feeling, okay, now go. So she went to return the video and for some reason was drawn to go into a barbershop. And when she went into the barbershop, there was a man arguing with another man or, or yelling at him, telling him about his experience that he just got fired. And she was mm. looking for a job, and he got fired and then turned and offered her the job he just got fired from. Oh, boy. So following yeah. her footsteps and her instincts led her right to the new job she had been praying for. And this is, you know, how it works. You have to be open and allow it and do not picture the outcome because God is a lot more creative than our small minds and our imaginations on how that can come to you. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So that's the thing, right, just like you said, open and allow. Just kind of go about your life and it'll show up and one, you'll be led. And, and that's where that meditation back when, when we talked about that, following right. your inner voice, you get more in tune with listening to it. Like, oh, yeah, like you said, uh, return the video, not return the video. And then you just get more clear and you follow it, what feels right in the moment. So, and it, uh, yeah. And it, it never fails. And you also were dead on with mentioning, you know, you take a job and you meet certain people and you wonder why, but later on you figure out why, right? Yeah. So it's good I not said, to label things good and bad sometimes because we don't know right. what that bad thing could be really a good thing in disguise. I think that's it, a really important point too. Exactly. And I will say in, uh, especially in, with Rose, with um, in moving forward in your career, every person you meet, build your database, build that network, because you never know when you're going to need that contact information because at the top of the show, you heard my introduction, Kathy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was my supervisor in a job that I absolutely despised. Wow. But he was great. Wow. And that was in 2005, and as I was preparing for the show, um, a year ago, I was, I was preparing to launch. This is my one-year anniversary. And I was going through a pile of papers um, that I had pushed onto a shelf, and in there was a post-it note that said, check out Blog Talk Radio. And oh, no that was right around the time that I took this job at a marketing firm. He was my supervisor and had 20 years in radio. And we were like, oh, I went to performing arts school, and oh, I was in radio. So I knew I had this connection. I knew he was a very nice man. But thankfully, when it came time to understand and accept that I was to start a radio show, I had the phone number and said, Tommy, here's what I'm doing. And he was right there like, here's what we're going to do, and we're going to do an intro, and we're going to do this. And that one connection, that alliance, the purpose of that alliance explains why I was drawn to a job that I, I couldn't even sleep at night because my job was to lie to people. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think it's fascinating. Take contact information everywhere you go. That's my lesson. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's it's really great. I just it's so empowering and it's it can be fun. Then you're just sort of like open to what happens and and not shutting down and and blocking things from. I love that word allowing. allowing. You know, I feel like we co-create. I think you used that word at one point. Like we supply our part and the universe does the rest type thing. Like what what you're saying, we're just lead, lead, lead. And the universe will always prove you right if you believe that you're unworthy of a right relationship, you're going to be sent people bereft of conflict and disharmony. If you truly believe and plant that in your subconscious mind, that you're worthy and deserving, and no matter your physical, mental, or emotional flaws, it doesn't matter. Because some of the strangest people I've ever met have found husbands. I don't know how they did it. And they're happy. You know what I mean? Like, do you ever look around and you're yeah. like, what's, and you do the what's wrong with me thing, like we talked about earlier? And mm-hmm. some people, I'm just like, what do you mean you've been married three times? <laughs> like, mm. How do you get these opportunities? But they honestly believe that they are worthy of a connection. So right. it's all about what you believe. But I want to know, before we go, we have a little bit of time. I want to learn more about the center where you're teaching. Could you tell us more about what you're doing there? Yes, well, I have uh, two book studies that I run, and I've, I've chosen uh, a Wayne Dyer book in one and um, the other one, well, Wayne Dyer. And then we have a, my husband and I actually run a discussion group, a mindfulness uh, weekly discussion group where we bring in inspirational material, whether it's a reading or a film clip or a book or whatever, and we discuss how to incorporate that into our lives. Because a lot of us, as you know, we'll listen to this radio program today and be very jazzed. And then as time goes on, maybe the, it loses its, you're not motivated anymore. So a weekly mindfulness group really keeps uh, it fresh. It gets people doing new things. We introduce action steps there, just like in the book. We, you know, we'll, we use my book as well. And it's just a way to bring people each week, like with these questions that we got today and others like it, to discuss these things on a weekly basis and keep us, because it's so motivating and empowering to leave with this, you know, you can read a book by yourself, but when you do it in a group, you really get uh, all this good energy like we've been talking about and different perspectives and you motivate each other and help each other. So it's really about that. That's what I've been doing there, these kinds of discussion groups, classes, book studies, and some other people, like I was saying, have meditation groups there, yoga. You know, it's a whole under one roof. That's what I like. It's just a positive place to do all kinds of things under one roof. <laughs> so, I love it. And do you do, like, Louise Hay stuff, too? And Yeah, well, right now I'm going to change books uh, as we go along. Right now we're doing uh, The Power of Intention with Wayne Dyer, and then yeah. we're doing... Uh, the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success with Deepak Chopra. And then on the other uh, discussion group I was talking about, we're going to just mix it up and do a lot each week, do different things. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're going to keep adding things, and it's just really been great. The people, the response has been wonderful, and it's such just a comforting, soothing, positive <laughs> There's no other positive words to say, but yeah, it's really a wonderful, um, it's so new too, it's a wonderful place and the the response has been great, so yeah. Yes, and the grand opening, it was not too long ago, right? Yeah, it was the end of May, and they have a website now, so I could give that if that would be helpful to give you more information. It's uh, a mindfulnesslifecenter.com, 
That's uh, mindfulnesslifecenter.com. And they also have a Facebook. You can, when you go to the website, you can just click on the Facebook link as well. And they have a Twitter account too. So it will really give you a, a, big, a good sense of all the courses and classes and variety that's there. So, so I hope that when you're in Scottsdale, you'll come see us. Scottsdale, Arizona. It seems like um, Arizona is the place to be. Yeah, with, we get uh, a lot me. of. Um, well, speaking of Wayne Dyer, they, I mean, he comes here a lot with the Celebrate Your Life. There's the conferences here, and Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah, we get a lot of mm-hmm. really good spiritual people here. Yes, um, actually, Heather McCloskey Beck uh, speaks at that conference. On she's a good friend of mine. She's a new friend through the show oh. and through a, a mutual friend. And um, I can, I, if I can throw this out there on the air, if you don't mind, I have had a, a, a lot of really amazing people on this show. And if you want some recommendations for books to use for your group, just let me know and I'll email an entire list for you, okay? Okay. Sounds good. Sure. So, so you're in Scottsdale, Arizona. Listeners, if you are in the area and would like to attend a workshop seminar, you can certainly get in touch if you plan to travel or live there. You can also go to her WordPress blog, helpwithyourlife.wordpress.com, where you put your articles out. As I mentioned earlier in the show, you put information out there on a regular basis to help others. Right. I keep writing articles. Love it. All of the same material we've been talking about today. It's just I find it so uplifting, too. And other blogs, there's so many blogs. There's so many people out there that have great information. It's, there's, a, there's no shortage. So, yeah, so I hope you'll come by the blog, too. That sounds great. And I, I just want to mention that, you know, when we make it, in order to change our life, we have to first change our mind, like we say in, in the introduction. But I think that comes with a commitment. And if you really want to change your life, you have to commit to having this be an ongoing thing. My, my question for you is, would you recommend not just doing the steps in your book once? I mean, yeah, you can change your life in three weeks. But do you recommend that people kind of revisit it each month? Oh yeah, I still yeah I would keep uh, I would I still do some of the I do a lot of this stuff. It's you know uh, reframing my thoughts. You know, sometimes a negative thought comes in. We're human, but there's a a thing where you can just reframe what you're thinking. So I have to be reminded too. So I read this book. You know, I read this and I follow other. That's what helps me so much when I read other people's books too, and, and listen to other speakers and. Uh, reading other blogs and all types of things to keep the because we have to keep feeding our brain because if you don't keep feeding it good stuff and mm-hmm. good environments then it's going to sort of tend to go negative again so yeah it's an ongoing thing but it doesn't have to be painful I think sometimes when you know we hear personal growth or you know t- changing yourself it sounds very like oh boy that's not fun but it can be wonderfully fun it's it, it's so the more we know like back to that knowledge is power the more we know the better our life works and doing these things and feeding our brain all the time that's the beauty of meditating every day like we talked about earlier too just it's a yeah. con- it's an ongoing thing so and i would just say yeah keep feeding your mind Feed your mind, and you go into all, so much, I mean, the reframing, all these great tools that you put in the book, and I just want to impress upon everybody, you know, when you make that commitment and then surround yourself with those positive people who fortify your motivation in learning about yourself, it's the only way we're going to grow. It's just such a disappointment to me from time to time when I meet somebody who is such an avid 
uh, student, and then once they find a new partner, they drop this all together. So that spirituality then becomes a hobby between right. partners. Very disappointing. Look for a partner who will want to join you in your spiritual journey. That way you don't exactly. have to toss up between going to the movies or going to a seminar, you know? <laughs> or do both. Go to a movie and a seminar. It's okay, fun, well, right? It should be... Do the movie, go to the seminar, then go to the bar and talk about it. Do whatever, in ah. whatever combination you want. Like some people, oh, new boyfriend, now it's time for fun. When are you coming back to class? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, and then I know that eventually when that relationship's in, they'll want to come back, and that's fine. I don't judge. But it's so right. sad to see when you could make that part of your transformation is look for someone else, else who is also trying to transform, you know? Yeah, and usually you will be attracted to someone like how you are. So if that's what you're doing on a regular basis, the chances are you're going to meet somebody who's also interested in the same things, you know, the like-minded person, definitely. I mean, yes. I, I don't know how you can miss if you're just do- – and the main thing, like, we, were, you know, we've been talking about the whole time, if you love yourself – Take care of yourself. Enjoy your life. Enjoy what your day. Find what's good. All of those things. That's what you want to do. And and the more you do that, the more you're not going to want to uh, do other things because it just won't be in alignment with who you are anymore. So yes. And the goal is peace. Kathy, I've had an absolute blast talking with you today. Oh, me too. This has been wonderful. I so appreciate you inviting me on. This is such a positive, you know, people like you, positive people like you and programs like this are so beneficial. So thank you for all the wonderful work you do and your, just for your energy and bringing different kinds of people on to help everybody. That's really awesome. So I've enjoyed it. I appreciate your kind words. I'm humbled. Well, everybody, the name of the book again. The Right Relationship Starts With You, a 21-day personal development guide for creating your ultimate connection by Kathy Barish. Kathy is spelled C-A-T-H-I-E. Barish is B-A-R-A-S-H. Visit her blog at helpwithyourlife.wordpress.com. You can also email her at Kathy, C-A-T-H-I-E, at helpwithyourlife.com. She is also accessible at... um, a Mindfulness Life Center in Scottsdale, Arizona, if you plan to visit or if you reside in that area. And do get this book. It really will save you a lot of time and heartache, I think. And if you're just willing to take a look at yourself from a different perspective, you can change your entire life and various areas of your life by changing the way you approach it and with your attitude. And, Kathy, we'll have to have you on again soon, okay? Oh, thank you so much. I'd appreciate that. That's terrific. Have a great day, everybody. You too, Kathy. All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.